0: to stand in your presence. Father, you're so good to us. This can be a hard day for some people, Lord. So I pray for them. I lift their hearts up to you. But Lord, today's about you. And Father, we just want to honor you. We want to step into your presence. We want to give you all we've got from deep, deep down within us. So Lord, start tilling our hearts. And Lord, I just pray that you will Just be in the middle of this morning that we will honor you with our gifts that will settle our spirits down. Some of us may have had a hard morning just getting all the kids gathered up to get here. Lord, some of us may have come just waiting with bated breath just waiting for you to give them some hope. And Lord, I just pray that today will be that day that you meet them there. We love you, Lord. We invite your Holy Spirit in here this morning. And we give you this morning and pray that our offerings are sweet to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, moms, it can be kind of a hard day for us. And other days, it can be a really good day just on a daily basis, not just today, huh? Any moms have a hard day? Oh, come on. I'm the only one. (laughs) Hello. I have eight kids. I don't know if I've ever shared that or not, but I have eight kids. I love them all. They're great gifts to me. They're wonderful. This is one of them. And, um, yeah, it's Patrick. (laughs) I picked out his shirt, by the way. I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) But um, it is one of the hardest jobs I have ever had. But at the same time, it's one of the greatest jobs I've ever had. It is the greatest job, but it's tough. But I want to encourage you. And the best thing that I have found is being a mom is to pray for my kids. I'm not going to talk long because I'll cry, but praying over your kids, nothing trumps that ever. You got to pray over them. And I have some that are grown And I pray over them all the time. It is constant. So I want to encourage you to pray over your children. And if you need somebody to come alongside you to pray over your kids with you, find me. I will pray with you. We've got to be a village, right? We've got to stick together. So I will pray for your kids. It's an honor. And that's what we do. We stick together. And we pray for each other. So I want to encourage you in that. I think it's super important. I want to make sure that my kids know who their first love is. It's not me, even though I really love it when they run to me. But it's not me. It's Jesus. And they need to know that is their first love. So I'm constantly praying, Lord, bring them back. Get them back to their first love. Let them know who you are. Make them great men and women of you. I want them to follow you all the days of their life. And when they get off track a little, I pray them back on that track. So I'm encouraging you to do the same thing. And I will come alongside you and pray for your kids. And I'll pray for you too, because you know what? It can be tough. So I get that. So anyway, word to moms. We're going to continue to worship.
1: all I'm longing for. You'll always be my fortress, my shelter in
0: graduates in this room. How awesome is that? Yay, we're so excited. We're super excited about that. So we, um, we are praying for you guys. We prayed for you three this morning, just so you know. We're praying for all that God is rolling out in front of you in the years to come. And uh, we're so glad you were under Scott's wings. And uh, he's getting you ready to fly with your parents and It's just awesome. So congratulations, you guys. We're excited for you.
1: Something again. I could hold on. I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the end.
0: our students this morning, Lord, that they'll go where you lead them. Lord, they're going to need your guidance, and we just thank you for that. But we all pray that as well, Jesus, that we will go where you lead us as a church, as families, as individuals. We want to do what you've called us to do, Jesus, and that's to share you with everybody. Father, be with Scott. He's bringing us a message this morning, Lord. Just protect him and pour your anointing down over him. I pray that our ears will listen and it'll penetrate our ears and go straight down into our hearts as we hear your word. We love you, Father. We thank you for being here with us this morning. We give you the rest of this morning to do with what you want in us, in this church out these doors when we leave onto the mission field. We love you so much, Father. Thank you for loving us back. And Lord, just uh, take this morning and change us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.
2: Good morning, beloved church. How are you today? Good. This is a wonderful day, isn't it? This is a day that we get to celebrate those without whom we men are only about half as good as we could be. (laughs) So, I also want to let you ladies out there know that if you've ever provided mentorship or guidance or have given a hug or a word of kindness to anyone, to that child of God, you're a mother. And we thank you for all that you do. So, men, if you would, give a hand and praise to God for such a wonderful creation, right? So, just want to apologize for the last weekend for both Pastor and myself. Uh, we were really looking forward to last Sunday, but unfortunately we both had family emergencies come up and we had to leave town. Uh, but we're thankful that you guys had such a great day, that we have uh, new board members and a, a really great and bright future to look forward to. So that's wonderful, thank you for, for everything last Sunday. And then I also have some bittersweet news to share with you. Uh, I've been wanting to share it for a long time now. I was hoping to do it last Sunday. But uh, my wife, Amanda, has, uh, she's accepted a, a promotion and a transfer. So we'll be heading up to Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, so we'll be transitioning out uh, this month and next month and then uh, traveling around and taking care of a few things and by July we should be up there. But I want you to know that we, uh, we're bringing somebody on board who has, I'll be honest with you, he has such a wealth of experience. Um, his uh, time and organizational leadership and management uh, exceeds my entire lifespan. So we're very fortunate in that. And so I just want you to bring Cliff on up. Uh, we're just really thankful that he's able to come up alongside Pastor Matt. And, uh, you know, like me, it's an unpaid position. So what he's doing is is he's doing this out of his gratitude to the Lord and his love for you. And, and uh, just anyway, thanks, Cliff. Here you are.
3: You just heard a true servant of the Lord. Now, last week I was talking in the. Way over here, and they kept trying to bring the sound up and follow me. So, this morning I have been retrained, and they said put it near your chin. Jerry, is this okay? I'd like to remind you on your chairs should have been a little form that said about our fundraising development banquet happening on the 15th. If you look at that menu and you realize who's making that food, how many of you have had the biscuits and gravy and sausage? Well you haven't seen anything now until you try one of the three meals that's coming up. We encourage you to sign up for that, it's very important in the life of our church. Also, like to remind you, there's some camp scholarships available. There's no excuse here to find that a youth can't go to camp because there's not enough funds. See our youth pastor, Scott, there you are. The other thing here is Mother's Day pictures. Right after church, out in front here, there'll be a camera going. Over here on the side, there will be another cam- uh, camera going, and up here. And I, too, want to thank the women here. Even though my mother tried for years to direct me, I always went the opposite way. But if she's looking now, she'll know that I've done okay. I love to hear the things that go on the on Mother's Day services. So again, mothers, thank you. And I also need to thank a grandmother from way past. And then I also need to apologize to my wife because she has done so much. Thank you, folks. Now, Jack, there you are. I was looking over here, Jack. One's leaving, one's coming new.
4: Happy Mother's Day, church. Could I get all of the youth under 18 to come forward, please? We're going to be passing out all these roses up front here to all of the ladies over 18. So, ladies, could you please stand so we can get you all a flower? All right, and then once you get a flower, you can go ahead and have a seat. All right, now that everyone's gotten a flower, could I ask the ushers to come forward, please? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this great day that we get to honor our mothers today. And we want to honor you today as well with our tithes and our offerings. Please take our offerings and use them to glorify your kingdom and your church.
1: So take this heart
5: We have some pretty great graduates this year. I hope you guys get a chance to reach out to them, congratulate them, let them know you're praying for them. Uh, Before we get into the sermon, I would like for the graduates and the families of graduates and friends of graduates to come on down to the altars. We're going to have a time of prayer for these guys. Please join in praying for them. You guys can just. Kneel at the altar. Have the families and friends come around. Just find a spot. Go ahead and kneel down. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to seek your face in all we do. I see these faces and I see. Hours and years of dedication to you of time put in on mission trips and involvement with youth group and insight and sharing from their own heart and their own testimony and edifying a youth group and helping my ministry here. I thank you for these hearts and these souls. Of those that yearn for you, that look for you, that seek your face. We lift them up now as this chapter for them changes, that they continue to do that. That they continue to seek your face in all they do. That they find that narrow path, put aside what the world would have them do, and to seek what you would have them do. I'm already grateful for their decisions for majors and and what they're going to do, and some of these are called into ministry even, but guide and direct their steps, Lord, every single one of them. Walk alongside, lift them up, come close to them. If there's days ahead when there's loneliness, when it's overbearing, when When the decisions of the future seem intimidating, let your peace reign supreme in their lives. Give them your strength, your courage to walk a righteous path. Walk a path that those around them would look to see and say, there's something different about that person. I want what they have. And that these here would direct any type of attention to them, to you, for your glory and your power and your name. We pray for your presence, your power, your peace in their life. We also lift up the families and those closest to these guys here. We want your peace also to be with them as there's days ahead of where they will feel a void when they will see an empty room when they will miss them dearly we pray for their strength and their courage as they send them on into this next chapter of their life that they can support and edify them maybe from afar And Lord, I pray now for us as a church family that we will never stop being their church family. We will never stop keeping them in mind and lifting them up in prayer. Give us the strength to be the church we need to be for these graduates. As they depart, they can always look back to see Woodland Park, Woodland Life Church It's a place that I can go to, that I can seek counsel, that I can connect if I need, that I can feel loved there. Prepare their path, prepare their way. Continue to walk alongside them. We thank you for them. We thank you for what you're going to do through them. I'm I'm so excited to see what you're going to have for these guys. In your name we pray, amen. If We could have just the graduates come on stage. We have a little bit of a gift from the church family to give to them. Why don't we recognize these guys, give them a round of a hand for, get up here Jacob. You get one too, dude. Um, They put in a lot of hours, put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Um, But I want you guys to see their faces. Please recognize them uh, personally, congratulate them uh, after service, and connect with them and send them on their way. God bless you guys. You can have a seat. Good morning. Good to be with you guys today as as Pastor Matt is celebrating his daughter's graduation. Um, Today, as we celebrate quite a few things, we celebrate our mothers, we celebrate our women of the church, we celebrate our youth and our graduates. Um, When we celebrate our graduates, a lot of times I like to give a sermon that's kind of kindred to a graduation ceremony. I was never a valedictorian, salutatorian or all the other things right below them, whatever those guys are. And so maybe this is my vicarious way of living out that. But I do like to give a charge to our graduates, a challenge to them on this Graduate Sunday. Um, But I hope this is also an opportunity for us to grow in something that we maybe don't always get a chance to. I want us to look at a question of what does it look like to be a peacemaker? The term peacemaker, we as the church know that it comes from a list of beatitudes, from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Specifically, Matthew 5, 9, I think we have it, says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So from this charge that Jesus gives his followers, He is connecting these two things, being a peacemaker and being a child of God, that when we are taking on the identity of being a child of God, we are taking on the work of God. We are a child of God, and that work he is outlining here is peacemaking. Much like how a Christian literally just means little Christ We take on, as Christians, the work of Christ, but as a child of God, we take on the work of God, and Jesus is saying that is peacemaking. So that leads us to a question, what does it look like to bring about peace? To bring about peace in a world run by military conquest, run by financial power run by social status, run by, at the very least, a fascination with cutting others down and, and drama and everything else, none of which looks like peace. So what does it look like to bring about peace? I think first we can look inward. We can see what is our definition, our own definition of peace. So we can all probably get a specific image of what that looks like Sounds like, tastes like, smells like, maybe, I don't know. Um, I think a lot of times a definition, our own definition of peace can just look like a pause button, right? Will the craziness just stop, please? The chaos, let's just put a pause on it, right? I can deal with anxiety from time to time and... um, my own version of peace i liken it to emerson my two-year-old has a ball is a toy maybe you've seen this toy before it's just a ball with another ball inside the ball right so when you stop rolling the ball the ball inside the ball keeps rolling right i think that's my head sometimes (laughs) when my head goes down to sleep the ball inside keeps rolling Uh, Maybe you've dealt with racing thoughts and that kind of a thing. And so, a definition of peace for me would be pause button. Let's stop the chaos. Let's stop the craziness. But if we were to look to the Old Testament, the Hebrew breakdown of the term peace, many of you might know the phrase shalom, this goes further than just an absence of conflict, an absence of war and goes further than just a pause button. The Hebrew perspective of peace is restorative. It is all about wholeness. It's about being made complete. And when we see Christ, we see how he is the fullest representation of this kind of peace. We understand why he's referred to as the Prince of Peace, because he restored our relationship with God by what he did on the cross. Because of his sacrifice and his resurrection on Easter, we are made whole. We can be made complete because of what was missing with sin present. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 highlights this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Here we see Paul writing to the Colossians talking about how Christ is reconciling all things. He's making peace. He is restoring everything through His blood shed on the cross. And as we mentioned, Christians are just little Christ taking on the mission and the work of Christ. We are to take part in this mission of restoring the world. I believe Larry talked a little bit about this last week too. We need to be active actively taking part in the prayer of god's will that we pray being done on earth as it is in heaven we need to take part in this prayer not just pray it my own perspective of i think a true mission of peace of of peace on earth um was just probably that that simple phrase peace in the middle east you guys remember that one just just my perspective was if we could just stop bombing and, and, and there to be war, then we would be good. But God's mission is much bigger and further than that. Because if we were to zoom all the way back and ask a question of why do we have these wonderful and incredible things like salvation, and we have Christianity, and we have a hope that Christ is coming back, it's because God is working His plan to restore all things back to himself, restore all things to be made whole. And that is a plan that he calls us to participate in. This restorative work is something that would end up looking a lot like what the garden looked like, Garden of Eden, before sin entered the picture. But where do we look first, okay? This this seems like an absolutely impossible job, right? We can talk about what peace is, but we can also talk about what peace is not. Peace is not present where there is injustice or abuse or oppression, and God wants us to restore in these areas. Some might say that we've progressed as humanity, but we as the church know that sin is just as much of a pandemic today as it has been from the start, going again back to the garden, right? Our jobs as peacemakers will never be done on earth, but we need to take part in this guilt kingdom building work. Now, I want to make a distinction between two ways of thinking. I want to make a distinction between two ways of seeing peace between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Peacekeeper's version of peace is someone who, who just lines it up with the status quo. Well, it's always been that way. Why disturb the peace now? That might be a version of being a peacekeeper. Example of peacekeepers were those that fought for the Jim Crow segregation laws in the 50s, right? They fought to keep things the way that they always were. Let's keep the peace as it always has been, while there was no real present, no peace present there. But MLK Jr. and his civil rights movement may have brought up some unrest, but he was one of the greatest peacemakers of our time, and I think I have a quote that kind of highlights that concept. He was making a peace in a situation that seemed impossible. Because peacemakers are those that help reconcile pain, those that help spread the kingdom of God to places that seem impossible. So how do we right here, right now, act as peacemakers? How do we take part in this mission that seems impossible? We all have our different spheres of influence, right? We all have those that we are connected with. We have those around us that we can maybe influence or communicate with. And I wanna be clear, objective number one is to make disciples. To lead people to Christ is the most restorative work that we can take part in. What better way to have someone have restorative peace in their life than to open the door to God for them or plant a seed or have a conversation, get the gears turning in someone's life. There's no greater way to restore someone's life than to play a part in their salvation. But I would like to look at three other things that we can do to help make restorative peace. I would like to look at the story of Queen Esther as we do this. And for those that uh, may not know the story of Queen Esther, she was an Israelite, in secret, in Persia. Um, Even though she she had risen to a level of being queen, she didn't have a lot of cultural power because she was a woman. And she was then informed by her uncle Mordecai that King Xerxes had been manipulated, been taught to help write a decree that would be made lawful, that would exterminate her people, would exterminate the Israelites there in Persia. So she is left with this decision. She is, she is given, she is in this impasse, this crossroads of making a decision of what to do. Does she approach the king, which is punishable by death? If you were to approach the king of Persia at that time without appointment, you could be killed. That was the law. So that sets us up where we're at here in chapter 4, verse 14, this is her uncle Mordecai saying, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to this kingdom for such a time as this. Esther had to be made aware that she had an opportunity that she had a voice that she could make an impact where she was, that she could make restorative peace, which is my first point, for us to be able to take that on, for us to be able to know that we have a voice, that we can make an impact, and that where we are, we can make restorative peace. Queen Esther had to recognize, even with her limited cultural power, that she had the opportunity to make a difference. Sometimes we have to know that we have a voice. Sometimes we need to know that we can make an impact. And sometimes we have to be part of an environment that can receive someone's voice, that can allow someone else to to be able to speak. Because we as the church, we have the power to create a culture that welcomes or excludes. We have the power as the church, and we have the responsibility to create a loving and receptive environment. People that are connected, feel listened to, heard, and loved. This is important because the loudest voice isn't always the majority. The loudest voice isn't always the voice of the most righteous. The loudest voice is rarely the voice of the oppressed. The loudest voice is rarely the voice of someone already working to build the kingdom on earth. We need to be able to welcome voices that don't always feel empowered. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says there's both a time to be silent and a time to speak. The story of Esther continues in chapter 4. The next verse is 15. We'll read through 16. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susan, hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days. My, um, I and my young women will fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. If I perish, I perish. Here she is making a decision. She's putting her foot down and making a stand that she is going to, to share the plight of her people, she's going to share her own pain, she's going to share her passions, which is my next point, for us to be able to share our passions and our pain. Peacemakers are those that not only share wrongs being done to them, but those, but wrongs being done to those that don't feel like they can speak up. One thing I want us to be clear on that, not all pain is useless. Pain can be a catalyst to growth. Pain can be connective within the body of Christ. Share your pain. I wanna share a story from our own youth group. It happened about a few months ago. One of our teenagers came to me and said he wanted to share something with the group, something that he was struggling with, and something that he wanted to be lifted up in through prayer through the group. And I said, of course, and I was happy to give a quick intro, but the rest was shared by this young man of what he needed help with, of how he needed prayer in this moment, and how we as a body could come together and lift him up and support him. And I was very proud of our group, because we came together, we laid hands, and he felt empowered to share what he did. And I hope he felt the spirit that moment. The next week, I had a teen come to me that because of what was shared the week before, She felt okay to share what she was dealing with and the prayer that she needed for the issue she was dealing with. This happened four or five weeks in a row, and I was so proud of our group. I was proud of our group that came together and prayed and lifted each one of these teens up. I was proud of the last teen that, that shared, and I was proud of the first teen, that felt okay to come forward and share his pain and that allowed our group to grow and lift each other up and be a body of Christ. The story of Esther continues on, chapter 8, verses 5 through 6. And she said, If it please the king and I have found favor in his sight, and if the thing seems right before the king and I am pleasing in his eyes. Let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the Agagite, the son of Habadatha, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the provinces of the king. For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? How can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? Esther was in a foreign land. Even as she was an outsider she was still an Israelite she was from a nation that was hated and hated so much that there was a decree in place that would have exterminated all of the Israelites she had to be able to connect with a different mindset and perspective she had to connect with those in social and political power in a foreign nation to beg for, the peop- for her own people Now, we're probably not going to get the opportunity to save an entire nation like Queen Esther did. But we do have opportunities all the time to restore, to bring peace, to bring shalom into this world one connection at a time. Which is my last main point here for us to break down walls and build up bridges, to connect with those that are different from us one way we can be peacekeepers and not peacemakers is by avoiding those who are different than us. Matthew 5, 46-47 says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? I have a story um, from my own experience at college. I went to Southern Nazarene University in northwest Oklahoma City, and there was a group that met every week um, that went down to downtown Oklahoma City on a Saturday night. Admittedly, I only went a couple times, but on one of these times, I was able to join them, and we had set up the tables. It was, we handed out baked goods and coffee to those that, um, that needed it those that were homeless or uh, in poverty, and and so once the the group had come through there and the, the foot traffic had kind of died down, so a few of us guys decided to go and bring some of these things to to someone who needed it, to go seeking out those that might need the, uh, the stuff we had, and I remember walking up to a gas station there in downtown Oklahoma City, and And seeing this guy, he's about mid-40s, and he had two bags of trash. And when we connected with him, we found out that he was picking up trash uh, around the gas station to to maybe get a buck or two from the owner. And um, we asked him if he wanted any of our baked goods. He, He was grateful, and we got a chance to sit down and connect. And it wasn't 10 or 15 minutes into just a simple conversation and a helping hand, but I was able to connect with him on his appreciation and gratitude for his salvation with the Lord. And he eventually got to, only 10 or 15 minutes into this conversation, he talked about the reconciliation he wanted to make with his son. And that he decided in that conversation that that week he was going to go and reach out to his son and reconnect And he was in tears. And I remember walking away from that conversation and having so little on the surface in common. We weren't the same race. We weren't the same age. We didn't have the same social background. We didn't have much on paper in common, but we connected with what mattered. We connected with our Lord and Savior, and we were able to establish some restored peace in that conversation. Connecting with those different than us. And I'm not talking about debates on social media. I'm talking about authentic, intentional, human connections. Because with this understanding of shalom, we can recognize that this peace represents wholeness, restoring something to completeness. And then when we don't know someone or understand them, we can act from out of a place of fear and judgment. And most of the times, it's because we don't have that whole picture until there's a full connection. When we connect with someone who's not like us, the parts that are missing comes together. You might see their humanity. You might see what they've come through, but most importantly, you see them as a child of God, desperate for a Savior just like you. I bet most of us can think of a time when we connected with someone, thinking they were a certain thing, a person, whatever. And when we connected with them, they were someone else entirely. This is a reminder that being a peacemaker means we are restoring or completing what's missing in this world. And to get there as we build the kingdom of God, it's not going to be easy. Our job's not going to be done Until we're done on this earth or when Christ comes back. Because this world's not God's kingdom yet. And so we get back to work. What is one thing this month that you can do to establish peace? Is there someone in your life who's different from you? Different mindset maybe that you need to connect with, that you need to show God's love or restorative peace with? Do you need to know that you have a voice, that you have something to share, or do you need to help cultivate an environment that is receptive, that is loving, that allows others to speak when they need to? Is there someone else's pain that you can share with, that you can connect with, that you can help? Christ's peace that he came for was not passive. It was active. It was bold. It was sacrificial. We're called to be His children by being peacemakers. Let's step into this kingdom-building work by making peace in a world that needs it. Let's pray together. Then we will be dismissed and please reach out to one of these graduates and connect with them and congratulate them. Let's pray. Lord, we beg your presence in this place. We want your spirit in our lives. We want your peace in this world. It feels like there's been a long period that we've needed your peace in a special way we want to be active agents of bringing your peace here on earth let us strip away our pride and the walls between us let us connect with others let us share your love and the news of your son to someone this month let us be active and spreading your peace in this world. we are so grateful for your love. I pray a blessing over this group and this congregation, and especially our graduates. Lord, we thank you. We lift you up. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Wednesday. Not
0: tonight. Oh, We're tonight.
5: Huh?
6: i Mountain maker, ocean tamer, glimpses of.